Hello and welcome to Radio IAGP. My name is Implausibly Josh and thank you so much for listening. Before we get into the questions for this week, I wanted to update you on some games that I've been playing. I have finally finished Arkham Knight, meaning that I finished the Rocksteady trilogy of the Arkham Batman series. It was alright. Um, Batman Arkham Knight is probably the most fun game to play out of all of them. Now, having played them in the span of about a month, I think that Arkham Knight is probably the one that feels the best fully realized as a video game, and I think is the best one to come back to. The only downside to that game, mechanically and gameplay-wise, is the Batmobile sections, and really it's just that there's just a little, a touch too many of them. The tank version of the Batmobile isn't as mobile as you'd like it to be, so a lot of levels where you are going after a ton of those weird drone tanks is tedious because it's the the tank just isn't as responsive there's so much going on and it's just hard to navigate and get around those combat missions with the tank with the batmobile tank driving those riddler Riddler courses too is also pretty rough to say the least but all in all it's a really fun game i don't think it's worth it to 100 percent it all you get i'm pretty sure is just a better ending and better is entirely subjective it's maybe adding a couple minutes to the ending and it barely fleshes out what happens after the end of batman arkham knight what i did was i went through and 100 percented the missions that i was interested in 100 percenting so i liked doing the little back and forth between batman and nightwing so i would do those missions i did the asriel missions because i think they're just neat and asriel is a cool character and i think the way they handle him in Arkham Knight is really interesting, so I might as well go through with that. And that was it. Like, those were the only things that I really wanted to 100% out of all of the many different Gotham's most wanted mission pipelines, mission series. I don't know what you would call them, but I did those two, beat the story mode, and then all I did was not to go back to the to the bat symbol, the, the light. I can't think of the name for it. But you go there to press, like, start the Nightfall protocol. And that's where, like, the ending and the credits and everything start. And it's basically just a way to say, like, hey, there's this is an open world game. You can come back and finish some more things here. The night isn't over yet. It also makes for some more interesting end-of-the-game dialogue, I guess. So, spoilers for this game. But at the very end of Arkham Knight, Scarecrow gets Batman to reveal that he is Bruce Wayne, which means that, well, now everyone knows he's Bruce Wayne, which can open up some interesting dialogue choices and options. So I'm not 100% sure if you can finish some of the Gotham's Most Wanted before the Scarecrow confrontation, but, you know, doing the Nightwing one was really interesting because at the end, Nightwing talks, Nightwing and Batman have a nice cutscene talking about how, like, this is the end. Like, we're not going to see each other again like this specifically. So who knows what happens in that universe after this, for instance. And then as you have Penguin in the back of the Batmobile driving him back to Gotham City Police Department, he's saying stuff about how, you know, the Waynes were always bad and blah, blah, blah. And it's interesting. Like, it provides some interesting character dynamics that you wouldn't normally see in that type of Batman media. So... I think that's worth it alone, but honestly, I feel like you could probably just watch some clips of the things that you're interested in at the end there. Just my thoughts on that game. But the superhero grip has still got me, so I have started a new game plus of Spider-Man for PS4, and 
it's really interesting how much superhero games just feel like Arkham Asylum because that was the good one that was consistently good. Like, I'm not 100% sure what the critical appeal of the Arkham games were when the games were released, but going back to them now in 2020, all within, you know, a few weeks of each other, I think that those games still hold up. Like, the combat is still really good. Uh, It feels better as the games go on, but even that first game, having not played it in years, and I don't even think beating it maybe before this current playthrough that I finished, but those games rule, and they feel really good, and they're fun to kind of go through. The story elements are really hit or miss, but a lot of the character interactions are fun. Except for Batman, who's always just generally mean to everybody, but like, whatever. But like, the combat is fun. The only like, thing that sucks throughout most of those games is backtracking, but whatever. Like, that's boring for a short amount of time, whereas the combat is very focused, or it's very combat-focused games. They are very combat-focused games, so the combat feels pretty good in every single game, and... You can't really ask for much more than that to have your combat-focused game be something that still feels good to play years later. But it's interesting to go to go from the Arkham games and then go to Spider-Man for PS4 and play that first level where they're telling, teaching you how to do combat and it's against some really basic enemies and someone has a shield and like the thing you do to the shield people is basically the same thing you do in the Batman games, which is either get behind them or jump. Like, you attack them in a different way than you would normally. The only thing Peter's missing is, like, the stun beatdown stuff in Spider-Man compared to Batman, but it's very similar to combat otherwise. Though I will say that Batman is a lot more sticky, if that makes sense. Like, you press a direction and the attack button, and Batman will just go. He will just travel, whereas... Spider-Man combat, you have a button that'll do that, but it's not the same as just hitting the attack button over and over again in different directions and having that be the rhythm of the combat. Also weird going from a system that uses basically weird spider sense in Batman to have you do a counter to actual spider sense in Spider-Man serve as a dodge. That's a thing you have to kind of get used to and reacclimated to, but still a fun game. All right, that's enough video game roundup talk. So let's get into emails. If you have an email, you can send them into radioiagp at gmail.com. I look at all of them, and I'm always happy to respond to emails, especially as part of the podcast. Here is our first email. If you could give any game an HD remaster or remake, what would it be? Hard mode, it cannot be a game that already has an HD remaster or remake. Thanks, Mary from Washington. Thank you, Mary. I guess it would depend, for the hard mode part of this question, on what you would define as an HD remaster or remake. For instance, would you consider Super Mario 64 DS an HD remake of Super Mario 64 for the Nintendo 64? Does an HD remake have to be advertised specifically as an HD remake? For instance, Fire Red and Leaf Green for the Game Boy Advance are remakes of Red and Green, or Red and Blue as we got them in the US, of uh, of those Game Boy games, but for the Game Boy Advance. They're remakes, but they're not labeled as HD remakes. They're, and they were mostly advertised as like a way to get your Pokemon available in Ruby, Sapphire, and Emerald in that generation of games. 
to that extent, would you consider Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee HD remasters of Pokemon Red and Pokemon Blue or Pokemon Yellow even, I guess, in those cases, because you have a, you know, it's basically just the story and the gameplay loop of, not gameplay loop, I don't know, that's not the right word. It's the story of Pokemon Yellow and those games. Would you consider Heart Gold and Soul Silver remakes of Pokemon Gold and Silver? Maybe that's it. Maybe Crystal gets the remake because Crystal hasn't gotten the remake of those games so far. I think I think it'd be really interesting to give the third game, the third Pokemon game in a generation, a modern HD remake. I think it would be really neat if remastered games were self-contained. Like, let's say maybe you could even get all, what is it, 251 in Generation 2? All 251 Pokemon from Kanto and Johto in a crystal remake so you don't have to trade you could you know maybe the difference is that everyone's games has like slightly different odds you can still 100% your game or 100% you can still fill your pokedex just with one cart but trading might be easier for certain things you know like i don't want to necessarily have to go through the song and dance of getting celebi in this game i've run out of master balls i've run out of ultra balls i don't want to do this anymore but i'd be willing to trade my Lugia for a Celebi or something on the GTS or whatever, or maybe you hook it in completely differently, right? So maybe you treat a remake of a third game as the third game of the new generation. So instead of Pokemon Sword and Shield getting a third game in Galar, Sword and Shield has a third game set in Kanto with Kanto Pokemon that have Galar forms or something in the DLC. Like, I don't know. But I think having one HD remaster game of Pokemon being the third game and having it be a game that can be sort of self-contained and not necessarily have to be integrated into the trading mechanics, like those will be trading. I think that that's just a given, especially with things like shinies and competitive breeding and things like that. You're always going to have trading, even if you have games that are 100% can catch every Pokemon ever from one cart, you know? but maybe have them hook into the other two that have already been released for that console already or as part of that generation already. I think that would be really neat. Also, do you count Super Mario All-Stars as an HD remake of Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, and 3? World never got that treatment. There's not an HD remake of Super Mario World or remaster for that matter. That would be kind of interesting. An HD remaster of a remaster. What if you did? an HD remaster of Super Mario All-Stars. Super Mario All-Stars HD Remix. I think that there's still a want for 2D, 2D Mario games that I think could be pretty easily satisfied by having just gorgeous graphics with the same gameplay, you know? What was that Mario and Luigi game for the 3DS? Was it Dream Team? That doesn't sound right. That sounds like a made-up video game. But the art in that was incredible. And maybe you do something like that, where maybe it's just high-res pixel art, you know, that looks incredible on modern screens. Not to say that the old games don't look good when, like, the settings are correct. Like, if you have a Raspberry Pi set up to an, an HDTV, and you have it so that the pixels are perfect to the ratio that they were originally intended for, but on a bigger screen, I think that you have 
a really sharp looking game like those games still look really good but i think there's no harm in you know going going for an hd 2d look right from the get-go you know and when was the last good 2d mario game you know like i guess new super mario brothers wii u or whatever that one was called like that's it i think in terms of like 2d mario games that have come out currently so why not dip back into that well a little bit and re-release those games with like beautiful current graphics or maybe like a toggle you know you could even have new levels designed for those games in mind like i think super mario maker one and two had a little bit of that where there were officially made nintendo courses that were constantly being updated to the game super mario maker 2 did not get nearly as many updates and nearly as many cool levels and stuff like that so i think it'd be really interesting to remake those games make sure that they still feel right and correct to what mario 1 2 3 and world felt like and then maybe you have some things at the end like bonus stages if you beat the game where these are new levels like they don't even have to be like what's it called kaizo mario where it's like the really mean and torturous mario levels that require pinpoint accuracy to make the platforming but i think the idea of new super mario world or new super mario brothers 3 levels made in 2020 or 2021 or whenever let's assume 2020 though for the sake of this email like new levels made in 2020 for those games by nintendo i think is a really cool thought to have i don't know i just i think it'd be really neat and i think a company like nintendo would be really into going back and saying hey the people who might be playing modern mario games now the people who are playing mario odyssey or if those rumors are to be believed that Super Mario 64 remake for the Switch, like people who are playing those games now might be being introduced to them by like the parents of kids who have not played those games. Does that make sense? Like the parents have played those games maybe. Like if I if I had a kid right now that could play those games, I would most likely be trying to introduce them to those original Mario games on my own. So why not capitalize on them by having something that's new to a young audience who maybe hasn't played those games before and new to an old audience who has played those games before but now there's some new spin on it be it new art new levels new something and now it's something new that they can go back to and be like oh man this feels like how i remember playing like i think the beauty of an hd remaster is that it can be something that is the idealized form of the thing you played when you were a kid, if that makes sense. Or not even a kid, but just before, you know? Like, take for instance the new HD remaster of Destroy All Humans. Like, that is a, you know, solidly okay PS2 game when it came out. I was a kid and I played a ton of that, and I have fond memories of that game. But going back to it now, like if I had a PS2, I had a TV that could take that connection, I had the original game on the PlayStation 2, it wouldn't feel like how I remember it because there are some rose-tinted glasses effects to that old game, which is totally fine to admit, you know? Like, the game that exists in my brain doesn't actually exist. It is an idealized memory of a more simple time. However, I think an HD remake serves to make the game closer to what that idealized memory is so playing destroy all humans now as the hd remake even though there's no way that like the art assets are one-to-one -one, 
and there's no way that like the game feels the same way that it did on the PS2 and stuff like that. It's still going to feel good and like a solid game and like a recapturing of that energy of playing it when I was a kid because it's not trying to be a one-to-one. It's trying to recapture feeling on top of other mechanics and stuff. Recapture the feeling of the mechanics. Recapture the feeling of being an alien destroying cities and stuff like that. And I think that... There's a lot of opportunity to continue that line of thinking in terms of HD remasters for like these tentpole games from places like Nintendo, you know, like I I talk about Nintendo because it's like the company that I have most nostalgia for, but like, I think they've done it pretty well in the past too. You know, I played the 3DS version of Star Fox 64 and it's not a one-to-one game. And there are a handful of sound lines that have been changed because my brain is like that. And I played a ton of that game as a kid. So a lot of those voice clips and musical cues and things like that are burned into my brain in a weird way. So some changes are noticeable to me that maybe wouldn't be to other people. But the look and the feel of the game is great and makes me feel like I'm playing it again as a kid, even though I know that like it's not the same. I've played Star Fox 64 on an N64 after having played the 3DS version. And I know that N64 game is a little bit more clunky than the 3DS version. It isn't as responsive in certain ways. And it's fine that they've cleaned that stuff up because it didn't feel unresponsive when you played it originally and fell in love with said game. It only feels that way now because you're not a kid who doesn't know any better. You know what I mean? So I I think that there's a lot of opportunity to bring that energy to those tentpole games that I have talked about. That was a really long and rambly answer, and I'm very sorry. So let's go ahead and move on to another one. Ring-a-ding, Brian here. I saw the news that in the next hot AAA child soldier experience Halo Infinite, Master Chief can now gain XP and level up. I guess a bunch of brand, a bunch of brands of energy drink cans leaked out that have double XP codes on them. Why does Master Chief need to level up? What powers will he gain? If he hits level 3, does he get magic missile? Or does he need to be level 5 before he can use rare quality sniper rifles? Thanks a bunch. Thank you, Brian. I would imagine that they're probably multiplayer XP things for energy drinks. I mean, if they're going the Call of Duty route, right? And I think... I think this might be a rumor of a rumor at this point, but I remember listening to a Giant Bomb podcast, either Beastcast or Bombcast, or now that they're redoing the Hotspot, one of those many hours of podcasts that I listened to during work. I think that there was some rumor that the multiplayer was going to be split from the single player. Now again, don't quote me on this. I think this is a rumor of a rumor, you know? But if you are going to do a modern multiplayer shooter you have h you have xp sadly well not sadly i guess it just depends on what you want out of a halo shooter i'm not someone who has a lot of familiarity with halo i think last episode i talked about how halo infinite actually looks pretty interesting to me and i'm this might be the first like xbox i play like as it's relevant because of something like that and i think that You'd get me to play if that if there's some type of XP component to your weird child soldier shooter. I don't know, something arcadey like that can really bring its hooks into my brain for some reason. Like, I'm not big on Call of Duty. Like, I have no brand loyalty to Call of Duty, I'll put it that way. But I'll play them, 
I don't have a fun time. And most of that's down to it just being arcadey and fun, you know? Like, it's nice to get the XP. It's nice to have that gated progression, especially if it's, like, balanced right and you don't ever feel like you're it's a slog to get to the next gun or the next grenade or whatever thing that you get. Like, I think that that's a fun way to do progression in a game type that maybe wouldn't normally have progression at all you know you don't necessarily need progression in a game where you're just doing bouts of skill with other people right like while certain guns may play better for you and feel more natural to you in those situations it's it's still about skill at the end of the day not necessarily who has the better gun it's who has the better gun that's more comfortable and they're more skilled with so without the XP and the prestige systems and all that stuff, like you would basically just be doing Team Met Deathmatch or any other of those any other of those game modes just to do them without any progression. And that might be fun for you and that might be something you'd want to do. There are tons of games that are like that, you know. What is it like the old PC shooters like Quake and I've played Counter Strike Source. Like those games don't have that same type of progression and they're very popular and they're still very popular. But for me, there's something about that progression that seems really fun and adds a layer to something where I feel like every match not only matters because I'm getting to play a different map or I'm getting to be more familiar with a map or I'm getting to be better with my skills in the game, but I'm also potentially getting that much closer to trying out a new gun or trying out a new perk or score streak or whatever. So I don't know. Let let your let your version of Master Chief, the one where you make him purple instead of green, let him get XP. Let him level up. Maybe he does cast a fireball. Who knows? But I think that's fun. I think that pop in, pop out gameplay like that with some type of form of in-game progression from match to match is fun. It's a fun gameplay loop that I will gladly get myself sucked into again, you know? All right, and that will do it for us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Pass it on to your friends if you haven't already. We always love that. We're in iTunes. We're in Spotify. Please rate and review us wherever you can. If you have emails to send to us, you can send them into radioiagp at gmail.com. If you want to watch me play Magic the Gathering uh, this week, this Wednesday, is our last episode, as far as I can tell, of Magic the Gathering Arena Jumpstart our Losers Bracket series on Jumpstart. So that's a really fun one. And then Friday, if everything goes according to plan, will be our first video for Amonkhet Remastered, the new Magic the Gathering Arena set in for Amonkhet or whatever. I don't know. I haven't played that set before, except for when I recorded the video. So who knows? And that's it. Thanks you so much for listening. I'll see you all next time. Later. Super Mario All-Star so much Mario is a Mario smorgasbord. It's all the way down Mario Brothers adventures you ever played and then some. But this is Juice Top 16-bit only on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System Mario. So it's bigger Mario, better Mario, in your face Mario. It's Raccoon Mario, Mario throwing fireballs, Mario hurling turnips, Mario negotiating an arms deal. Okay, maybe not. It's Mario like you've never seen him. What's 2 plus 2 Mario? What's the capital of Ohio Mario? You're gonna live, breathe, eat, sleep Mario. In Super Mario All-Stars, four complete Mario games, including the never-seen lost levels. You can't get more Mario than this, which is why the best played here.